Hey there. Welcome to the Better Business Analysis Podcast. While Ben's gearing up for the show, I've got an exciting offer just for you. Right now, when you enroll in our certified Better Business Analysis Level 1 course, use the code PODCAST at checkout to score a whopping 50% off. Don't miss out on this fantastic opportunity to elevate your skills and advance your career. Head over to our website and enroll today. The Better Business Analysis Institute presents the Better Business Analysis podcast with Kingsman Walsh. Hi, everybody. It's Benjamin Walsh from the Better Business Analysis Institute. Check out our website at bba.institute. Now, this week, we are going to be delving into a topic that I kind of found by accident. And I'm going to give you backstory, as I always do, before we get dive into the topic. So I was working at an organization, a consultancy. Uh, we had a large intake of graduate testers, and one of my responsibilities was to give these testers an idea about what business analysis was all about and explain the benefits to testers uh, when it came to business analysis. Now, one of the traditional models of testing, if you're not from that world, um, one of the fundamental uh, models back in the day is something called the V model. Now, these testers were new. Uh, they were being trained in testing. Um, they didn't really know what the V model was. But a lot of BAs don't know what a V model is, and a lot of testers will look at the terminology V model and maybe go, oh, yeah, that's really old. Uh, how, how's that applicable in an agile world? Now, let, if we just pause there for a second and just rewind and say, look, if you're a tester, what is your job? So your job is to test that the product is working effectively, that the process can be completed uh, and ideally, if you're you know doing proper functional testing, you're looking at can the job to be done uh, be completed successfully? You raise defects and bugs and whatnot. And some of the artifacts or outputs that you are trying to produce actually align very nicely with some of the artifacts that we produce in the world of BA and also in the architecture space. So if you like, the um, specifications that we write, the um, high-level requirements, detail requirements, then the architects or devs might put together a, a solution design and then you know write code, if you like, which go into a product, map two different testing artifacts that need to be done uh, throughout testing. And there's something called shift left in testing. It's really around getting testing up done up front. And so things like a test plan uh, done by maybe a test manager or a test lead should be done quite early. And so the idea of the V model is that you say, well, when the high level requirements are put together, you know, you should start on your test plan. And when the detail requirements are done, you should start to go into more detail. And when the specifications done, you could start getting into your test cases and, and, and so forth. So there's a map between um, kind of things like unit tests, which connect to... Um, packets of code, and there's different levels of abstraction and testing, much like there is in the world of business analysis and also solution design, architecture, and development um, being subcategories of that. So the V model is about mapping those two, right? And it, and, and, the, and it existed to say, we should start these things early as testers, and this is actually the input. So you can take two things away from that. One is that uh, testing should start early, as I've just said. 
but also that testers aren't making up test cases or test plans from nothing. They are using the artifacts created by the BA for the first half, and then the solution designer, the reply to the requirements, and then the developer, if you like, to create their materials, right? So, you know, uh, and uh, if we just look at the middle segment there, um, you know, test cases come from the requirements. They should, the user stories have acceptance criteria which link to test cases. So I think it's important uh, in this episode to understand who's using your requirements. And I would say a large audience, was there's, there's two audiences if we take um, a kind of a parallel path here. One is the tester is using your user stories to create test cases because ultimately they are testing whether or not the user story um, is acceptable. It has the acceptance criteria being completed. And at the same time, uh, and generally first, uh, the program is writing uh, code, uh, producing the product, adding to the product, you know, um, improving the product uh, based on the user story. So the user story is critical to both the developer knowing what to do and also the tester to know what to test. And then the words come together um, when you go through the testing process. So this is this is true, you know, this is really true proper development. And regardless of methodology, regardless of waterfall or agile, if you like, and I'm just going to use those two examples. There are many others. Um, they're the most, you know, the ones that we talk about the the most. Uh, this is true, regardless of 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 what kind of methodology you're using. This is what happens. This is the whole point. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're doing it rapidly and slices like agile, or you're doing it as a big bang. This is, you know, you're testing everything at the same time, you're, you know, writing requirements and you're delivering all at the same time, which is more waterfall approach, approach, which is one end of the spectrum. This is true. So anywhere on that spectrum, this model is true. Okay, so the V model is true. It is not um, something that is old. Uh, it may have been developed a while ago, but it is true. It is a fact that this happens regardless of methodology. Okay, and it's really important to know that this exists for testers and us, but also it shows who's using our requirement. We are writing our requirements for the developer. We are writing it for the tester, right? They need it to complete their process. So by understanding this world, you as a BA can write better user stories, okay? You can provide more clarity. You can be more concise. You can be more accurate and transparent and help these two audiences, which are your prime audience of your output, to uh, to really understand what your customer wants. And of course, your first job is to make sure that the requirement reflects, you know, um, adds to the uh, epic, if you like, or the th and then the themes, the objective of the project, and that your product owner and whatever shape or form they um, exist in either the end customer, business owner, or a proper true product owner that you have captured, you know, what they want in true detail. But the, after you've translated that, which is the process of business analysis, elicitation and analysis, and then translation into your user stories, right? So if you like that first half is the input and the process you go through, and then the output is testers and developers, okay? And probably designers as well. Uh, so during the design phase, you may have designers who have to read your requirements. And to be honest, I find them the most tricky because they can be the most creative and move quite far away from some of the functions you're just trying to get in there. So you need to, you know, use this process to to also map to them. Okay, so this is 
who uses your requirements is really important. I think that's the number one lesson from this whole uh, topic today. But so if you've taken that away, then this, all the rest of this is going to be bonus. And the true purpose of this episode today is to talk about something called the Agile V model. Okay. And this was uh, something I actually stumbled across. Obviously, conceptually, it existed in my head, but I hadn't found a body of knowledge or really one institution or Wikipedia article or whatever it was that fully captured exactly my view of the world, which was just if the VMOL exists, if the VMOL is true, if that's the premise we're going with here, if requirements you know, map to test cases if, you know, it feeds into development and there's a relationship there and it should happen ideally all at the same time, what would Agile look like? And for me, if you're following this process, so imagine a V, imagine driving down a hill and then right up a hill again. So this is, it's a V and if you, there's maps uh, going down the V at the same time, uh, the testers doing their work as we head down the bottom of the V to the product, to so the products down the bottom. What is it that, um, what, what would that look like in an agile world? So conceptually, I knew that if simply if, as we start our V journey, so the test plan's done, maybe we're in a bit more of a structured approach. Once we get down to the design and kind of doing the release of product uh, increments, which is Agile, aren't we just doing the V model again and again and again and again and again rapidly? Aren't we just saying, well, okay, well, then the requirement's done, it's released in the product, the, the tester then tests it. So with a, with a waterfall project, all the requirements would be done into the product, the tester would test all the, do all the tests, right? So that's the traditional V model. So in an Agile model, wouldn't we just be going, well, one requirement's added to the product, to the bucket. The tester then just takes that thing and tests that thing. And then we know that that, they might do other things called integration testing or regression testing to make sure that the product, uh, that, that new feature we've added hasn't broken anything. So there's a little bit more to it. But in effect, isn't Agile just doing that again and again and again every, t every sprint? Aren't we just doing lots and lots of these? And so what I did is I searched it up, Agile V model, there's got to be something like that. And I found a great place where this is articulated in, in a fantastic manner. And it's not actually from the world of all, uh, all projects. It is actually being um, talked about in the Internet of Things project. Okay, so... When, if you don't know what Internet of Things are, they're all the devices, small devices, smart devices that exist everywhere. So um, it is, probably was the uh, really quiet revolution just before AI, but it was taken off massively. So these are the little smart devices that might be a sensor somewhere, little tiny things. You can buy them on the Internet. If you've got a smart home, all those things that connect uh, to your phone, like the robot or the uh, air conditioning unit, or a sensor for the door, or a, um, I've got a, uh, for example, oh, we've taken out our, our lock and we have a smart lock on our front door. That's an Internet of Things. So all those things, they're usually small devices. They usually uh, last for a long time, as in they don't draw much power. They only use power when they when they need to. Uh, the, these things are all around us now. They're sensors, they're, and they're built into things like drones and all the rest of it. So all these 
tiny devices now, not PCs, tiny devices are connected, okay, uh, need to connect to wireless or the internet, and they're a piece of hardware generally. So uh, all the things that were true of um, hardware programming, so um, what we would what we used to call um, kind of assembly code or lower level uh, programming needs to be true. They need to have rapid release. They need to work. When you release, you need to release uh, full and complete. They need to work, uh, or otherwise that device goes offline. So, so I guess one of the things that is true, or a better way of articulating what I've just said, is that these devices uh, will update and need to be be updatable quite rapidly, right, for the software, and those things need to continue working. As in, you can't do a huge, massive bunk release. So in order for for Internet of Things um, to work effectively, there had to be some thought about continuous releasing, continuous testing, and all these things that if you're involved in a programming firm, you'll understand about. We talk about continuous testing, continuous integration, and all these things are are great for large pieces of software, but they have to be true uh, in the world of Internet of Things. Because if they don't, then those those devices go offline, and then you know they stop working. Those sensors stop working. So some of the so that this area was forced to think a bit about what methodology would work if we naturally needed to continuously improve uh, the workings of these devices. Okay, and what is the method that we use to continually improve these devices? It's agile, right? We need to release rapidly. We need to release um, iterations. We need to uh, do changes rapidly on the fly. So we knew that was true. But how do we do that so we are sure, we are sure that the release we've got out there is true and proper and not just like cowboy programming. So we need rigor. And what brings us rigor? The V model. Having a map through. So they've combined and they've combined those two methodologies in a kind of an academic way, but in a conceptual way and now a real way. And they call it the Agile V model. So um, I've actually most of what I'm going to talk about next I've stolen from the what's called the digital playbook. Um, it is available if you look it up, digital playbook. Um, and it's talking about what is the difference between agile and kind of the agile internet of things um, and what is the agile V model. We know the benefits of agile. We know the fact that uh, it has some massive shortcomings when it comes to certain types of projects, which are generally mission-critical projects or complex projects. that It's really easy to think of a, when you've got your startup hat on and you're re- releasing a, a web app. That's fine. But if you're, say, um, dealing, like I said, with these mission-critical devices that are out there, they could be sensors on nuclear power stations. You know, these are things that are more aligned with what I would call... Um, yeah, more critical kind of pieces of infrastructure. It's the same kind of mindset. It's more hardware related where things can't go wrong. Okay, uh, if your web app has a bug, uh, you you might accept that and go live with it because you're getting customer feedback and it's it's not going to kill anyone. Whereas this other side could literally um, result in harm. So we need to have some structure and um, that involves complexity. So how do you do that rapidly without going fully you know, waterfall and just baking in uh, too much process and too much governance. Um, And this is the answer.
So when we talked about uh, the V model earlier, some of the disadvantages of the V model was that it was inherently waterfall based, as in it didn't think about, there was just one V, right? It didn't have the V, 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 V on forever. It was rigid and it was inflexible. It didn't support iteration or um, implemental development. It didn't really talk about MVP or prototypes or continuous improvement. And ideally, because it was just one V, it wasn't possible to adapt to changes midway through development. You had already committed up front, which was, you know, I guess some of the disadvantages of Waterfall. And so therefore, um, you know, you can make small changes um, if you needed to and do like a hybrid uh, Waterfall model. But it was kind of seen as having a bit of a bad reputation. A lot of people didn't actually look to the V model and it, and and they literally will turn their heads. If you I had people turn my heads when I started talking about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand why you guys, this is a bad thing. Some of the advantages though, it was suited for stability when it came to complex requirements, um, which was required really when you had multi-company development projects. So that's the other uh, lens we need to look at here is that actually if you're um, working with lots and lots of teams you need rigor in terms of making sure they all come together and it's not a mess so with um, incident of things there might be people looking after the hardware the software the you know the location the logistics of these things and so it, it could be it can be quite difficult in that environment which is why the, again why this methodology has probably come from their environment and their landscape there was the built-in with the v model originally there was the built-in verification validation and that was really really important for what i said before highly regulated mission critical applications where you had to have that like that was that's critical if there was a if there's a bug um you know in the unit testing or integration testing which is the verification tests or there was even validation testing in terms of user acceptance or your usability test if those things went wrong uh there was a bug it could result in harm so we needed to kind of uh they needed to this company the, which is called the you know the digital playbook and it's um there's a company behind it i'll let you google that yourself um they were looking at these problems okay so the so the and this is they they've again only applied this to the agile internet of things framework but for me i think we just we can apply it to any project that's in this kind of landscape of mission critical uh and i strongly believe that any project still goes through this general uh method uh if you go to the um the agile internet of things playbook.org you can google it uh, you'll see visual pictures which will help um, um, outline what I'm saying here. So it'll probably be useful uh, to load that up and have a look, uh, even pause the podcast, look at it, and then come back to it. Um, but what we can, so, but I'm going to give the outline in words since you've got it in your head, uh, and then you can see the pictures. So the idea of the Agile framework, and I'll quote here, it, it, it aims to strike a good balance between uh, Agile software world and the less uh, agile world of often uh, safety critical complex and large-scale projects okay with hardware and manufacturing elements so the idea of the agile v model is to combine agile development with the v model right you can do this and so like i said it's kind of a series of v's that just keep going 
But on the left-hand side, you've kind of got the more structured system design decomposition and the requirements, which they don't talk about here. So I'm saying that uh, BA fits into this. Uh, you've got the increment planning, and that happens for your like your sprint. And then, of course, you're doing your validation, verification, continuous integration, continuous test, and continuous delivery. So as you release, you're doing that again. And then that's for one sprint. And then you do it again and again for every other sprint. So each sprint becomes a complete V. That includes the development and the integration and test. The Agile schedule introduced the concepts of dedicated integration sprints. So uh, we've talked about this before. Not all um, sprints have to end in um, a functional change per se. Uh, it could be a um, sprint to do requirements up front. It could be a sprint to do some design-only tasks. So in this uh, methodology, we introduced the concept of dedicated integration sprints. Um, and what we're actually doing is that you were benefiting both the agile way of working and also, of course, uh, the more rigid way of working. So it allows us to skid, do a kind of like if it's sprint N, it allows us to do sprint uh, N plus one and so forth again and again and again um, until we have released um, in a true proper way um, the way we want to do it. So if you look at um, the BA world, the starting point uh, before you even start getting into this kind of idea, and they do talk about sprint zero, which I don't particularly like, which is a preparation sprint. Um, but look, you can do this in an agile way or not. I would suggest, as I talk about uh, quite a lot, is that there's work to be done before you even get into the development phase. And that's the whole framework of the better business analysis delivery journey. So if you think uh, there's some upfront strategic product planning that needs to happen, so that's the kind of first cut, what I would call the high-level business requirements phase and all the work before that. Uh, you would already start, you wouldn't start this process, aka the development process, until you've already got a story map and the definition of uh, done, complete. You've already got the component architecture, so you know basically what the um, architecture is going to be. You've got the team, you've got the environment. And then once that's set up, you could call that sprint zero. I would call it kind of the upfront analysis, strategic and enterprise analysis phases in the BA world. You do all that, and once that's set up, you then kick into these Vs, okay? And of course, if you're using the story maps, you've got your high level, and I know in this method, don't, um, there's something I don't like about it, they group their story maps into functions, whereas we would uh, group those into epics, and then of course, all the different uh, post-its under that um, they are your user stories. So the story map should um, outline the epics required to get the job done. Okay, so um, what I, again, I'm taking the best bits of this methodology and trying to make it generic to business analysis. So if you like, I'm taking the Agile V model developed for the Internet of Things, and I'm saying that you can apply this to your work um, regardless of um, whether or not you're working on internet things or any type of project. Because it's still true, and I'll talk about how the testing element comes in here. You've got your user story, you've got your acceptance criteria, right, which are, which are ideally, you know, the detail behind what you've got on your storyboard. 
You've got your definition of done from the agile world, which is kind of cross use case criteria, which need to be true. And then you've got your generic uh, criteria that come off it. So it's kind of your unit tests, your code review, your non-functional requirements. And that forms the basis for the testing world. So you're using not just, you know, um, if you like, just the requirements, you're actually able to check that we are um, our sprint goal and the definition of done at the front of our sprint is done as well. So you're combining the both traditional uh, V model uh, aspects of just requirements to making sure that your actual definition of done for your sprint is is true and in your definition of done you would outline um, things like all tests need to have been passed, uh, the code need to have been reviewed, and that these non-functional requirements were met. Okay, so there's a lot that you can take in by reading that. There's a whole lot of visual um, pictures that will be helpful for you to kind of understand this a little bit more. Um, but I want to talk about uh, the kind of high-level phases for the V model. Um, making the connection, and then talking about really some real, real world examples here. So, the phases really of the Agile V model in summary are planning. So, you're emphasizing upfront planning with flexibility and adaptation. So, that's doing the strategic planning, doing your storyboards. So, that's kind of from product management leading into Agile there. So, that's all pretty um, modern day techniques. That's not old school, that's not waterfall. Then in the development phase, you're using the uh, iteration sprints. Um, you've got integrated kind of V on V activities. So as the Vs dip and go into the next V, there are integration activities at the end of that, which are happening, uh, which is more of the continuous integration and testing. And I'm not going to go into that, but that's the pr new way of DevOps world. That's what DevOps is all about. Uh, then you've got the verification, which is highlighted through testing within each sprint within each sprint, not at the end, which is the old way. Uh, validation, so you're un, um, I guess that's ensuring that the solution meets the overall goals. So, you know, it's not just the product is fit for what you have just developed in that sprint, but overall the product as a whole is still meeting the user requirements. That's what we talk about by validation. The job to be done is still working. Uh, we haven't broken anything and the user is able to complete their complete journey end to end. Um, we call regression testing as the testing term that helps with that. There's around deployment. So there's carefully planned and monitored deployment at the end of these uh, structured um, Vs, which is really important, as we said, because you deploy once, ideally, uh, to these uh, Internet of Thing devices or mission critical. I would say that if you are applying this to a project like a web project, which isn't mission critical, the deployment side is probably... You still need to do it properly. It's good best practice to do it this way, but less important in terms of the disruption that would happen if you release something that had a bug in it. Um, it talks about the fact that we are we're incorporating in here feedback as well. So the importance of continuous improvement and adapting what we know. So it, because you're doing these 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 releasing these um, features, functions, requirements and testing straight away, uh, you're getting feedback straight away from each test, right? So you can feed that back in to the process, not just the what we get from developing a feature or a requirement and getting feedback. We can also get testing validation and feedback and incorporate that into our agile 
um, kind of retrospectives and we know, okay, well, you know, maybe we could do a better way of testing this. And I'm not just, right now I'm talking about technical tests because I'm reading um, what how the V model has been applied to Internet of Things. But these can be... Um, these can be usability tests, right? These can be customer tests. So it could be the fact that you're getting rapid test feedback um, from a customer directly through customer insights. So you've just released something that's mission critical, or let's let's say we've applied this to a non-mission critical environment, so a website. So you've gone live with a website, maybe it's an e-commerce website. You're using the Agile V model um, because you it's got... You, the reason why you're using this approach is because you it's, you cannot afford for there to be a bug on this website because you may be a big brand. So maybe Coca-Cola or McDonald's, for example, where a bug would uh, damage your reputation and may cost you if you had a bug in terms of um, the fact there's so many users who use go to McDonald's or, or purchase Coke that if there was a bug and it involved, um, I don't know, people getting a discount, it could be financially crippling. Uh, and just the fact that you've got, you need this whole lot of non-functional requirements because so many people are going to be using this app. So I would say that for McDonald's releasing the new McDonald's app, this would be a really good approach to use. Okay, so we've got our, uh, let's say, app. let's say it's a web app, but it runs on your phone, so an app. Um, and you've released it on your phone. It's a new McDonald's app. And you get feedback straight away that um, maybe it's through something like Hotjar or something that people just can't. You've just released a new feature around coupons, using coupons. And you're finding that people just can't figure out what their coupon code is and add it to checkout appropriately. Right? And you're like, this is a disaster. Starting to get social media feedback that it sucks. The new app release sucks. That no one can use the coupons. Is it a scam? And so you're getting that feedback. So next iteration, you're like, okay, well, we released the feature, like functionally, everything was done, like job to be done, tick, like everything passed, everything passed from a functional point of view or even a non-functional point of view. If you look at it in a pure software way, coupons were added, I could add coupons. I didn't find it hard because I tested it. But if you actually incorporate in user testing, and I'm not talking about like the people at McDonald's who said, yeah, that's fine, because I've used the app again and again. I'm talking about we've now had, you know, the first thousand users or a test group, hopefully you've released this just to a test group um, of all app users, which is how things happen these days, generally. So you have like A-B testing. So most people are using the old version of the app, but, you know, maybe the people in New Zealand are using the newer version of the app or Auckland. You can do that kind of stuff. So they're using it. So our test group is using it and then they can't use the coupon feature. It's just ineffective and they're starting to get some social media feedback. That's called customer insights. We can take that in and go, hey, the functionally this, we, we didn't have a test case about, uh, we didn't have the customer insights because we didn't release um, to, the, to our customers. So there was no way we knew this. We've just released that feature. We've now had feedback. Far out, we needed to make some changes to the design to make it easier to use these this coupon feature. Okay, so that's perfect, right? That's perfect. We've it's it's kind of a critical lab. People can't use it. It's causing us reputational damage. It gets added to the next sprint as a high priority item, and we work along the way. And now then, maybe in our testing testing feedback, continuous improvement is okay. We're going to release this to a much smaller uh, community to get feedback uh, before releasing it to a larger group and before releasing it ideally to everyone which could have happened 
So do you see how this method, just having a bit of rigor in there, can actually help? So you're again getting testing involved um, earlier, and those requirements are tested, but we're not just talking about testing for um, technology changes, we're also uh, checking for customer insights. Now, I guess some of the comparisons um, that we talked about before is that, you know, you are getting this kind of uh, certainty, uh, planning validation structure and predictability um, that you got from the traditional uh, um, V model. And I guess you're addressing some regulation, uh, regulatory compliance needs. So sometimes it's, it's, you actually have to test in this way. So the signing off the test before you go to the next V, if you like, might actually uh, require some governance uh, and important governance, uh, independent testing, all the rest of it. So this works in that manner as well, allows for that. Um, but it enables this, so it allows it to cover that complexity and the compliance needs, but it allows us to still work in an agile team and environment. Now, if you go to the kind of uh, Agile Internet of Things project and framework, you'll see some examples in which they have applied this to um, Internet of Things um, examples, which will help you understand what, um, what I mean by this. But I do think that uh, I want you to take this at a very high level. I want you to not get too obsessed with the method that they have, um, the detail of the method, and take it away as more of a framework. So you need, hopefully you, you have, you by listening to me today, you know that there is a good way of um, incorporating structure into a project delivery uh, framework that allows for Agile to do things which, you know, are adaptable and responsive and change. Um, but you're able to um, integrate the V model, which allows us to catch early issues in the development process and allows us to get feedback in a really structured way. And so therefore, instead of just going fully waterfall, which would be the alternative and do things very structurally and signed off, you can actually do both um, using the V model and allow uh, the agile V model. It allows us to incorporate agile and the V model which will allow us to, you know, really have a collaborative way of um, detecting early defects, customer satisfaction, you know, increasing collaboration, still allowing us to have um, adaptability and, uh, I guess, um, release in increments, but also allow us to have some structure, um, which allows us to make sure that projects are released um, right the first time, and especially in mission-critical situations like in the world of Internet of Things. Hope you've uh, learned something today. Uh, if you don't know the V model, your action is to look up the V model so you understand what I'm talking about and you understand how requirements are used. It's true. It, it exists in some form. Uh, and you look up the Agile V model and understand both how Agile and the V model can be used in those environments I talked about. Cool. I'll see you next week.